0: Welcome to the Barefoot Scholars Podcast. Join three moms as we share all we've learned and are still learning on our adventure from paper and pencil work to the wide open world of barefoot education.
1: Welcome to the Barefoot Scholars Podcast, where we're bringing you some bonus content today, all centered around our favorite veteran homeschooler, Julie Bogart. I'm Michelle. I'm Hannah.
2: And I'm Sammy.
0: Okay, so we're gonna talk about our favorite homeschool gem that we've found so far on this journey together and her name is Julie Bogart. So she has written different books, she's created her own curriculum, she has a great podcast and an Instagram account that has all sorts of different information. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is um, one of her books, The Brave Learner. And it's Brave Learner: Finding Everyday Magic in Homeschool Learning and Life, which really encompasses exactly what this entire book is about. Um, It's one that when you listen to it, I feel like you just feel super, super empowered. 100%. She teaches you that you can teach everything through anything. Um, And it's just such a good concept to learn and feel that I really can do this. And she breaks it down with such real life examples. She has five children who were homeschooled, who are all um, grown adults now and successful in all the different ways that you can measure success. and it's just so nice to hear her be very real, be very authentic. You know, one of the things she talks about that really spoke to my heart was homeschool spaces are going to be messy. They're not always going to be Instagram worthy or Pinterest perfect. A lot of times, like, don't buy the new couch right now because it's going to get marker on it. It's going to get glue. It's going to, you know, and, and be okay with that. You know, be smart about your spaces. Don't be afraid to put art. The, you know kids are on the walls like mm-hmm. um kind of own own this season of kind of mess and mm-hmm. wild and creativity and just just be in it and be be confident in that but I think what I mentioned earlier about how everything can be taught through anything that was probably the biggest lesson through me for me through this book was when she talked about you know if your kid has an interest um You can follow that interest and you can chase it pretty far. So let's say it's Harry Potter. Um, Obviously, we know Harry Potter, there are books, so you can use that for literature, you can use it for reading. Um, But Harry Potter is also set in England. So there you go, right away, you can go learn about a different country. Um, You can go learn about the history of that country. Once you see that it's in, you know, the actual, one of the buildings that it's filmed in is in... Um, Oxford University. So you can talk about that. And, oh, well, when was that castle built? Oh, well, the other castle is built, uh, or that it's based off of it, is in Scotland. And you go down that rabbit hole. And then you can listen, you can watch the movie and listen to the score. And you can see, wait, how do people use music to get me thinking about X, Y, or Z? How did they use music to get me uh, excited, nervous? One thing she talks about is, um, you know, putting a movie on mute and seeing how your body reacts to it and then watching that same scene again um, with the sound on. So again, to talk about music and, and the power of it. Um, she just, she has so many creative ideas of how to just really chase learning and make it magical, but not in like a perfection sense, mm-hmm. just in a really real, authentic um, and a way of following your kid's learning journey Mm -hmm. and connecting with your children, how to connect with their true authentic self. And um, I don't know, this book, it just, it, it really is fantastic. And it shows you that you can always learn something new. You know, our kids want to see us learning new things because that inspires them to try something new. And here we are, the three of us doing this podcast, which is brand new to all of us, something that, I think maybe we had a whisper of and thought this would be cool, but never really thought we would actually do it. And our kids know they're seeing us, they're hearing us, they're hearing Mm -hmm. our mistakes and um, getting to witness that. So how cool for them to see us doing something new and hopefully it inspires them, you know, that they too can, can try something new and, and learn something new. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have anything to add to that? I think
1: in the book, she was really good too about, How you said, you know, relating to something like Harry Potter, but even if your kid is into gaming at the time, I mean, there's like a huge stigma around gaming, right? Like Xbox and my kids are not at all into gaming, not because I've stopped it, but because it's just not a thing that we're into in our house. None of them are. But, you know, she kind of gives you the quote unquote permission to just write it out, sit there and game with them. Again, that's showing them that you can learn something that's totally uncomfortable and new to you too. Um, and again, just kind of works through those different things and how you can relate it to this and this and this and this and how that all snowballs into literally a full, well-rounded education. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you can just sit around and play video games like 24-7 your entire life and you're going to, you know, be able to function in society. But she also breaks down where that kind of line is and how that, how that plays out in your homeschool
2: I think, when I think about Julie Bogart, I don't know if this is coming from her book or from her podcast, but um, I think I feel like she's so curious about her child, and mm-hmm. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that helps me become curious about Emma, and uh, I think, I, I'm pretty sure this was in a podcast, but she talked about how like, one of her, her kids was listening to music.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that in
2: her book? Mm-hmm. No, was it was a podcast, book? but okay. yeah. Um, and then she like sat down and like, listen to it and it was music that she didn't even like and that but she she took the time to like just be with that child and she was curious about that child and I just love that so for me that's I don't know if that even relates to what we're talking about right now but Mm -hmm. just who she is as a person I feel like she's so Mm -hmm. curious and that has helped me along the way Mm -hmm. to be curious about Emma Mm -hmm.
1: and I think too the more you get to know her the more you kind of follow her and delve into her podcasts and her books and just you know her stories and just you really do kind of get to know who her kids were as learners and how different they all were, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because my kids are very different. And I know that all parents feel that, right? Like no two siblings are the same. But when you when you nail it down to their education and you're responsible for educating them too, I feel like we feel that, mm-hmm. you know, maximized times 10. And I like that she talks about each one of their strengths and weaknesses, and now that they're all adults and they're all successful, she also, you can learn how those strengths and weaknesses played into who they became as adults. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it, it makes me feel like it they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. And, you know, she talks about her kids that didn't like math. And, you know, at one point she just kind of like, okay, it's just not worth the struggle. And you know, when he was like, I don't know, in his 30s or something, he needed to know this math concept for a new job. And he got on YouTube and he learned the math concept in five minutes. And mm-hmm. what would have taken years and years and years before he was mature enough or ready enough to understand it, it would have been such a struggle. And just to have that validation that like, yes, I can say not right now. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. forever. That doesn't mean, or, or that, that, that doesn't mean never. That doesn't mean you know, sh- they're never going to encounter a time in their life when they need this skill, but that means not right now. And that if I, if I can continue to foster their love for learning and teach them how to use resources that are available to them, then they will be able to figure it out when they need to. And mm-hmm. if they don't need to, then why are we to- occupying the space in the brain right now? I mean, you know, well,
0: and I think one thing that she talks about in that con context of the son who didn't like math, because I think she said also her two of her children, um, had taken precalculus mm-hmm. and they didn't even need it mm-hmm. they were just curious about it but for what they ended up doing in their adult life they did not need precalculus, and he did and so mm-hmm. then he had to go back and learn it but I think to what you were saying if that had been what was something that he was struggling with as a child you know like had as a homeschool parent if you just push it and push it and push it and have them be defined by that And focus so much energy on that, they're going to lose their oomph for it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to lose their confidence in it. And so, building his confidence around, um, or you know, any of our kids' confidences around learning and seeking information—that is what is most important. Mm -hmm. It's about them being interested, them being lifelong learners, them being brave learners, as Mm -hmm. she, you know, her brand, being being true brave learners. Um, because then, like you said, anytime you need it, you'll be able to tap, you'll be able to figure that out. You'll Mm -hmm. be able to utilize the resources and have the confidence to say, I can learn this this new thing. I'm not defined by the fact that I didn't take Mm pre-calculus in high school. I can learn it right now because there's a job that I want to do. And so therefore, I'm going to make sure I get that information. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world that also supports that. You know, that wasn't always the case, but now we have access to everything. So we can do that. And I I love that. I love that she's just, I mean, like it says, brave learner. That's what she's teaching. Mm-hmm. I think not, she's teaching us to teach our kids to be that, but it, I would dare say she has taught each of us mm-hmm. as the mothers and the homeschool educators to also be brave learners.
1: Mm-hmm. Her other book, I feel like that one, her other book um, that we have gotten so much out of is called Raising Critical Thinkers. And, man, it's it starts out pretty eye-opening just kind of explaining about how systems are not built for critical thinking right and one of the very concrete excuse me one of the very concrete examples she gives is an example of a multiple choice test and on this multiple choice test she she kind of goes into the history of them and how they're created and how they're biased very strongly um, to begin with but the concrete example she provides is that you know, there's a picture of a tree next to a, no, it wasn't next to a ruler. It was just a picture of a tree. And the question was, um, which unit of measurement would you measure this tree in, in a roundabout way? And the choices were, you know, things from inches and centimeters to meters. I don't remember the exact um, measurements that were provided, but her point to this example was that the test, take, the test writers wanted the largest unit of measurement, assuming that this child is looking at a tree and envisioning it outside. But I would argue that many kids would look at that and say the smallest unit of measurement because you know maybe it was two centimeters tall on a piece of paper or whatever. And in their mind, if you're measuring that tree, which they've probably done many times in their math workbook, their math textbook, yeah, they're going to say the smallest unit you know, of measurement because a meter wouldn't make sense to measure a drawing of a three centimeter tall tree on a test. Um,
0: but that would be the wrong answer. Right. Even but though it the, is yes. a correct answer. And so that I think that's a flaw she points out yes. of multiple choices that oftentimes there are multiple right answers. Yes. But it really, what the when system you, is looking at is what did someone tell you? Yes. And therefore, repeat that versus well, how using the, critical thinking. Right, and
1: how did the specific test writer want you to interpret this question and Whom interpret you've never the met, answer, yeah. answer? Yes, um, and just you know, the fact that a multiple choice test doesn't give anyone a chance to describe their thinking. There have been many times that I'm working with my kids or seeing other kids work or think through something that their answer is probably not what I would have expected it to be, but in their describing, in their you know, walking me through their thinking and how they came to an answer. I'm like, that totally checks out. Like, that 100% makes sense. You used, you know, you you deduced from all the evidence you you gained through this problem, you came to this conclusion. And that is not what the book says, but that actually, all of that thinking tracks. All of that makes Mm -hmm. sense to me. And I think that's huge. And honestly, I think that that's something that our society is slowly losing the ability to do. Um, Another... Case in point, another huge section in her book was about social media and how it's used and how we should teach our children to kind of critically think about the things that are posted on social media, right? Like we have all these keyboard warriors and all these people motivated by so many different things, whether that's religious beliefs or political beliefs or money or, you know, a job, whatever they're motivated by, you know, spewing information day in and day out. And she has literal, I mean, just like two whole chapters on how to teach our kids what we do with all that information and how we decide what to believe. Um, you know, how to read into the credibility of the person posting all this information, how to read, you know, figure out what their motive is. Is it a non-biased motive? Or, again, are they motive, motivated by a political party? What money you know, whatever, is it research based and what are they citing as their research? And have you checked out those those sources to find out if those sources are also non-biased? And I mean, we've seen it time and time and time again, and it's only gonna get worse as social media gets worse because it's so easy to sit behind a keyboard and to spew all this information and it comes at us so quickly, right? Like when we're scrolling, you just see headlines and it comes at us so quickly. And then the social media um, platforms are so honed in on what they know our brains want to see. And so we're getting, they are already giving us bias information based on what they know we are already thinking. And so then when that information is spewed to us, if we don't take the time to stop and think, then we're just, we're not always getting well-rounded, wholesome information. And again, that's just something our society is going to struggle with huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between... Kids younger and younger and younger getting access to social media and social media just becoming, you know, huge and the majority of the population getting their main chunk of information from social media. That Those are huge skills that our kids really, really need to walk away from, I think.
0: One thing I like and appreciate about her book um, with Raising Critical Thinkers is she has a lot of really simple... Um, Exercises for kids to do so they can start dissecting information, start understanding it, start kind of fact-checking and, and getting this information, um, and, and just having it as a a little, a normal practice. And she has it broken out in different age groups, too, so that you can make sure that you can get something that's suitable for however old your child is um, to, yeah, just kind of get their wheels turning and just don't just accept everything for fact the first second you hear it let's think about how to think about this information and just really encouraging them to continue being critical thinkers and I think it's yeah it's, it's a great resource for sure
1: and honestly it's great whether you're homeschooling or not mm-hmm. I think that so much of the book is again I'm not sure that schools are teaching deep critical thinking skills at the rate they should be let's say um, and so I think that it's a, it would be a huge asset to any parent Absolutely. to read this and just really help their kids develop those
0: skills. Um, she also talks about just environmental um, bias and surroundings. You know, if you, if there's a picture of something you've literally never seen in your life, you may not understand how big that tree is. You might be associating um, a tree, like, with an indoor plant that you have. You know, like, there's not there are so many different factors that go into it. And so I just think it's so important to think about those things. And so much is dictated by the, the person in charge, right? Um, and that's not necessarily wrong. I mean, there are going to be some things that you have to take that information they're giving to you and you need to absorb that and, and spit it back out. But if that's the only go-to of, you know, just that cycle of, information take it in put it out well that's not that's not what you want. You want some people that take a minute to rinse and take a minute to you know really think about it and add their view or add that other part because we have thoughts we have ideas and there are oftentimes more than one mm-hmm. um, right answer or like when we were talking about math in the previous episode, maybe there is only one right answer to the math problem. Okay, that's correct. However, there are many different ways to get there, and kids should not be discounted because they get to it a different way. You know, Um, and I think that all wraps up into this about just the critical thinking and be able to take your time and really think through things um, and see the value in the thinking process versus just the end result.
1: Mm -hmm. So we loved both of her books. And following her on social media so much. And then we realized that she had a whole curriculum dedicated to literature and writing. And we all kind of decided
2: that we were going to try that out. Um, What we use is what's called DART. It's Julie Bogart's uh, curriculum. And basically how it works is we have a book that we read every month. And then within that book, she has outlined different passages that we kind of dissect and we talk about... Uh, maybe it could be nouns or adjectives or i don't know how many oh gosh else? alliterations indentation. Uh, i mean it goes yes, all yes. through
0: quotation marks but, all the punctuation punctuation parts of or, yeah, yeah parts, parts of, of speech, speech i mean mm-hmm. everything
2: and then there's different ways to do the writing passage it might be through french dictation or basic copy work or reverse dictation um, even though we all three do this curriculum, I know we teach it differently. Mm-hmm. And some things I leave out that are too, um, too difficult for Emma. And then there are some things that we don't skip out on. Um, so I, I love her curriculum. I don't know what else I should say. Um, so DART refers to the age
1: range that each of her um, groupings um, are called different things. So DART is, I think it's geared towards ages <clears throat> 8 to 10. So Hannah and I both have um, third and fifth graders, and then Sammy just has a fourth grader. So um, our, we started it last year, so our middles, mm-hmm. Hannah and I's middles kind of pushed up a level. Um, and then this year, uh, Lennon and Ella could have technically moved up, but for ease and just joy of it, we kept them the same level. Um, but then her her activities throughout that she provides – Provides so many opportunities for leveling up and down. So it's not like, you know, they're being held back from anything. Um, And it's very much meant for families to do together. The whole basis is that you're reading aloud with your children for the joy of reading. And so that you all as a family have things to talk about. Um, And then it's fun for us because then we get together for our monthly parties, which she gives you all the food and games and Mm -hmm. just so many ideas for. YouTube videos to pull up, you know, that you might have going on in the background um, and it, she just, it's very well thought out. It's very well planned. Um, it's very easy to kind of pick and choose things. There's some weeks that we have a lot going on and we might just keep up with the reading and we might not do the copy work and the, um, literary device or the punctuation that goes along with it. And there's some weeks we do every single thing that she offers. Um,
0: I think what I love about it is you know, kind of what I talked about with her with the brave learner book and how she talked about how you can everything can be taught through anything. She always provides a cultural context at the beginning of um, the curriculum, so she provides that, and then she also it well, usually it's in the um, it's in the book party stuff. You can find things that are like music information or art information that ties in with the with the story. And I just think that's so great. Or sometimes if it's, you know, a sciencey book, she'll put some th- different experiments that you can do. So she just does such a great job of bringing the learning to life, connecting it all together. And it is, she has literally step-by-step what you can say. I mean, it is so simple to be able to follow what um, she's teaching. And I think our kids really enjoy it. They know what to expect. They know how it goes. You know, we have a kind of our weekly rhythm that we follow with her. Uh, We always do our spelling words on Wednesday, but what I love is that how it all connects to this book. So the kids are excited about the book. They're invested in the book. Um, They have a new one every month, but then all of their, all of their language arts comes from that. All their punctuation, all their spelling, all their everything is tied directly to this book and to different passages. And so it just, it really is real life. And then I know another thing that I love about her is that she's very intentional with her books about picking inclusive characters. Um, and it's so great because, they, you know, our kids, we all know, like, books can take us on journeys, right? Like Reading Rainbow. We can go, and we can go in this whole new world with it. And I love that our kids get exposed to so many different cultures, so many different... People, um, different locations, oh, just like languages. We've, yeah, we've had
1: some. Was it Spanish? We, Spanish there was words? Spanish.
0: Yeah, there was Solimar, which uh-huh. was in Mexico, and that talked about. We learned all about the butterfly migration patterns, mm-hmm. and um,
1: we had the um, Beatrice prophecy, mm-hmm.
0: and that was like old English, and, and yeah, yeah, just so many different inspirational things. And then I remember there was this character in Maya and the Robot, and mm-hmm this person identified as they them and it was this really simple like it talked about this this character worked at a museum Museum. at the museum in new york in new york yeah Mm -hmm. new york and um it just stated oh and so and so do you remember their name I don't remember. It was a while ago. But it said, so-and-so, and had a button, they, them. And you know, it just mm-hmm. continued on. And it sparked a great conversation, I know, in my family, for our kids. And it was cool for them to see representation. Um, and I just, I love it because there's just these little bits and pieces of them learning about people all throughout mm-hmm. and she has had books that have taken place in different countries mm-hmm. you know we just got done with one that was based on sri lanka but then there's also been multiple there have been two in new york mm-hmm. um and so i feel Which like are very
1: different cultures what very different cultures than, different cultures than in. indiana
0: mm-hmm. and so for them to learn not just yeah not just in mexico or in mm-hmm. sri lanka but also different states around i think it's just mm-hmm. it's wonderful but then time periods like you said beatrice mm-hmm. prophecy that was you know a long time ago and Um, it's just been really cool to see the kids connect with it and they get so excited about the book parties Mm -hmm. which how fun is it to say like our curriculum includes a party Mm -hmm. every single month Mm -hmm. Um, we you know rotate hosting those so it doesn't fall on just one person and Mm -hmm. the kids love planning them and get so excited and uh, and
1: try to make it as immersive immersive as possible but you
0: know and the little ones you know Michelle and I both have a four and five year old and they aren't doing it, but they, at least, my, I know my five-year-old, because I think a lot of times you guys, you do your mm-hmm. reading while Molly's napping, but That's for good. me, for Tilly, she does not nap, hasn't since she was two years old, so <laughs> she's around for all of it, and she's not doing, you know, the lessons yet, but she still gets to hear the books, and she knows what we're talking about, and um, it's just been a lot of fun, and like Michelle said, the whole point is that you're doing it as a family, you know, Julie Bogart is big on, like, tea time, if you mm-hmm. want, or um just making reading cozy mm-hmm. and cuddly and something for everyone to enjoy and between
1: um, her between the dark curriculum in kind of her tips and tricks and i think it was in brave learner she talks a lot about it too so many ideas to like when your kid's just not feeling copywork or everybody's feeling down. Things like doing it by candlelight. Things like doing it with a marker or a highlighter. Mm-hmm. Doing it by the fireplace. Doing it, you know, outside. do Just so many different things that are so simple that I would never think of. That totally just make it more exciting than it mm-hmm. would have been. She's very into, like, routine. And we don't do a lot of that because right now, a lot of times, it's not a struggle. Um, but... But the ideas are there, and we have used them from time to time.
0: We definitely love her her thing about light a candle at the beginning of, like, the lesson, and then they get to blow it out when they're done. And I know Milo, my middle specifically, he absolutely loves when we do that. And sometimes they'll ask, Mommy, can we get the candle out? And Because mm-hmm. uh, it's just something that's fun. Mm-hmm. And she's like, have a snack when you're doing yeah. your copy work. There's, oh, uh, that's the other thing. Indentations, she tells you to use a like food marker like mm-hmm. an M&M or a marshmallow or a, a chocolate chip you know something to sh- hold that space and like my kids get so excited anytime they they will like look at the copy work to see are there indentations because they're <laughs> so pumped that they know they're going to get and it's great though you know they're excited mm-hmm. so I don't really care what it takes as long as they're excited to learn and I love it
1: yeah and then at the end of the year last year we put together a jeopardy game you guys i remember doing it i had the idea from my elementary school librarian we used to play jeopardy like at the end of the year i don't even remember what it was about but we kind of keep a, which we've not done a great job at it this year no, but get back last that. year we were really good about keeping a <laughs> note you know on our phones <clears throat> that we were all collaborator, collaborators for by book and putting things you know like questions about characters or plot or setting or using those the different um describing, different punctuations and their uses or whatever and we play jeopardy at the end and the kids loved that and have already asked if we're doing it again Mm -hmm. so we need to get on those questions that we've been slacking on but
0: (laughs) (laughs) we will get there
1: i love how open and go it is how user-friendly it is but also just how flexible it is to where you can really make it work for you Mm -hmm. i mean there's very much suggestions but It's very, very flexible in that you can skip or
2: do extra or whatever works best for you. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Julie Bogart. We just love her so much. We find her so empowering and inspiring. And if you want to learn more about her, you can find her on her podcast, which is Brave Writer with Julie Bogart, and also on Instagram at Julie Brave Writer. So thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode.
0: And Julie Bogart, if you're listening, we would love to have you on as a guest anytime, or we'd be happy to be guests on your podcast.
1: Absolutely. That would be so fun, you guys. It would. So fun. (laughs) We will see you all two weeks from today. Bye. Bye.
0: Be sure to follow us on Instagram at scholars underscore the podcast to follow along on all of our adventures. You can also like and subscribe to our channel to make sure you don't miss our next episode. And if you like what you hear, we would love for you to leave a review.